Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headline of a recent column at governing.com wondered if federalism. American-style federalism, was hazardous to our health. In particular, it uh, focused on was that federalism, that state-by-state approach, uh, the cause for an increased number of deaths during the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining us to uh, break that all down, LeVar Webb, uh, of course, was the founder of Utah Policy, contributor to the Deseret News, a longtime political here in the state of Utah, and one of the great thinkers when it comes to this idea of balanced federalism. Uh, LeVar, thanks for joining us today. Hey, good to be with you, Boyd. So as you looked at this headline from governing.com, tell me, uh, as a guy who's uh, spent a lot of years looking at balanced federalism, uh, what was your reaction? Well, I was really quite disappointed because uh, governing.com usually does a pretty good job of covering uh, state and local governments. That's kind of what it specializes in. And and it, and it does some good <clears throat> good journalism, but I thought the author here really kind of missed the point of, of federalism. I, I think there's no question that had we had total command and control, top down uh, dictates from the federal government regarding uh, social distancing and masks and so forth, that perhaps we would have perhaps we would have saved some lives. But at what expense? Uh, our, our government, of course, is power is divided among three branches and two levels, and it's built for maximum freedom, not uh, just efficiency and coercion. And uh, and so I, you know, I, I I think that our our system of federalism actually worked well. Both both uh, the Trump administration and Biden administration attempted to provide national coordination and national, you know, suggestions and guidance from the federal level, but they let state and local governments make the basic decisions regarding, you know, what's closed and what's open and, and masking and so forth. And, and I, and I think given all, all, all the items of concern, you know, balancing freedom uh, versus uh, the mandates, state and local governments did pretty well. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, in your piece, which uh, people can read at uh, utahpolicy.com, uh, of course the, the national uh, government could have done better, state and local could have done better during the pandemic, easy to easy to look back and uh, and do a little armchair quarterbacking there. Uh, but but your uh, emphasis on all of this was that, yeah, some things maybe could have happened, but uh, at what cost? Uh, and even kind of playing that out a little bit uh, in comparing some of the uh, states and these laboratories of democracy. And uh, as, as you look at that component to it, 
what what did play out because we did sort of have this patchwork of approaches to the pandemic? Well, even the author of this column noted that some of the experimentation, as he put it, at state and local levels produced some good results. Uh, Seattle, as we know, that's where the whole pandemic started, but they did really quite well after a rough start. <clears throat> and and it's, it's interesting to note that, that states and cities that imposed uh, some of the most onerous mandates didn't really perform better than states and cities that were more open. The, the states with the highest death rates per 100,000 population were New York, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Utah, which, uh, which was much more open and less, <clears throat> excuse me, less coercive, had the sixth lowest death rate. So I think it made sense for, uh, I mean, states and local governments, they know their people better. They know what they're willing to put up with. Uh, and I think it made sense to, to allow the states and local governments to make those decisions about uh, how coercive they would be. Yeah, if you're just joining us, we've got LeVar Webb on the line. We're talking about uh, federalism and this uh, state uh empowered way to uh, to deal with a whole host of things as opposed to trying to solve all of societal ills through a totalitarian federal government one size fits all uh and uh, lavar i know you've you've thought about this a lot uh but you've you've kind of gone through all the kinds of things that we could like fix immediately with a totalitarian approach uh, but it doesn't seem to quite uh, fit reality very well yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean if our if our goal was simply to Save, <clears throat> excuse me, to to save lives uh, and and that sort of thing, uh, and we then we could do it from a top down totalitarian approach. For for example, uh, if if all, all we really care about is saving lives, we could force people to stop smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol, and certainly uh, they'd be a lot healthier. Uh, we we could have a national speed limit of 25 miles per hour and build our cars like tanks, and we could eliminate all traffic fatalities. But, but you know, this is always a balance. It's a balance between freedom and coercion. And, and personally, I believe that we we have the end up having the most freedom, and with the solutions that best fit our local circumstances, even if it means more risk, even if it means less efficiency and perhaps even a little more chaos, I think that we, our system of governance works better with those decisions being made at the state and local levels. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to get your take just real quick, uh, LeVar, on uh, infrastructure, because that's what everybody's talking about. And, uh, of course, we have a, uh, a negotiated deal uh, of about $1.2 trillion, uh, although it seems and appears more and more like uh, the Democrats may have given the uh, Republicans the sleeves off their vest in that, in that they're going to put everything they didn't get in the compromise bill into a bill that will be done by, by reconciliation. But this is another thing. We had an interesting conversation earlier in the program today uh, with Brian Riedel, who who talked about something we haven't been talking about, and that is the cost and pace of infrastructure. And a lot of it comes back to this idea of federalism, that uh, doing things through the federal government makes for really long processes and really expensive infrastructure. Is this another area where maybe we could do it better with a, a more state-by-state approach? Yeah, I, I certainly believe we could. If we could leave that uh, federal 
gas tax money, for example, at the state level, and then allow states to proceed with infrastructure without all of the federal requirements and guidelines. I mean, I've been told by people at UDOT that they could build uh, highways at a minimum 20% cheaper uh, without having, and and, and they would still be just as safe uh, without having to comply with the federal requirements. So if if we left that money at the uh, state level, and, and allowed states and local governments to deal with their own infrastructure. I, I do think that would be better. What we we would be missing, of course, is the part that is borrowed. Uh, you know, the the part that runs up the deficits uh, because the federal government is is funding so much of government now with borrowed money. But if if we're 20 percent more efficient in the way we build, then that would that would accommodate and account for for that as well. So. Yes, I think federalism would would work with infrastructure. Uh, certainly, there is there is a national interest in having highways ac- across the whole country to accommodate commerce and so forth. But I think states could collaborate and work together and and make the system work very well. Yeah, fantastic, Lavar Webb, uh, founder of Utah Policy, uh, contributor for Deseret News. Uh, Longtime Politico here in the state of Utah. Always appreciate your insight, uh, especially when it comes to federalism and how we can do it a little better, I think, the way the Laboratory of Democracies were designed to function. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to do so. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the past as a present for our future. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.